I had a fry every day this summer. Working on building sites. You know, now again, we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been there the food with the pasta. <laughs> OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. You're welcome along. Monday evenings off the ball. So early in Haaland, as uh, predicted, made... Uh, what is going to be an extraordinary Premier League uh, career. I've started it in fitting fashion at the London Stadium yesterday. He was awesome. It is far more difficult to know at this stage what kind of Premier League career Eric Ten Hag is going to have, but uh, most certainly not a good start. Pat Nevin, Andy Mitten on the show this evening. Meanwhile, for New Zealand, five defeats and six tests is the rather extraordinary headline. The New Zealand Herald, not to get uh, caught up or in a loss of perspective, led with a front page editorial this morning calling for Ian Foster to be sacked. So we'll talk to Gregor Paul of the same newspaper. I don't think Gregor wrote that editorial, I have to say, but he is in South Africa. And uh, we'll see what he makes of the general situation. They have to play South Africa again at the weekend. And then there was a 15th All-Ireland Camogie title for Kilkenny. Yesterday, Croke Park, one-point win against Cork. Sarah Donovan with us after 8 o'clock. 53106, the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. We have Richard McCormick with us. Hello. There you go. And Michael McCarthy here in studio. Hello to you. Hey, lads. So, uh, Premier League, it was back, Mick, in all its abundance. Early in Haaland, I think, quickly um, put paid any doubts that he may not be able to cope or adapt to the Manchester City way. And indeed, as did Manchester City, the way Kevin De Bruyne uh, looked up and said, you know what, he's made a perfect run, there's space there. I'm not going to dilly-dally here and make 15 passes with the lads. I might just play him through and talk about making a finish look easy and routine and um, devastating, really. So... Erling Haaland's going to score approximately 85 goals this season. <laughs> yeah, but will Man City score more than their 99 that they got last year? Uh, he was... I love that goal so much. Like, I mean, the the it looks very easy to just cross the ball in the way he did, but basically what you're doing is judging your steps and the the path of the ball and the speed of the ball to get into that position where he doesn't have to take any more touch and just, like, leave... makes, like the entire defence and goalkeeper look kind of stupid you know like it was brilliant but you're interesting you mentioned De Bruyne's true ball there like there's a part of me that's thinking like well, what what do I do in this situation I have a vague re- recollection yeah. from my youth as to what I can do in this position I know I'm really good at passing the foot I could just kick it straight forward here and you know it's like he hasn't done that in years but uh, turns out Kevin De Bruyne might be okay at doing uh, true balls true to a uh, free striker I do think De Bruyne thought to himself oh this is just too easy <laughs> I, I, I actually make this pass blindfolded yeah. and uh, I totally agree I mean Haaland was just uh, calm personified no sense of oh my god there's a big chance big moment for me Man City uh, you yes. know what do I do it was as you said calculated things perfectly he scored that type of goal for Dortmund a gazillion times and ran around to position himself onto his left foot and just made it look so easy the big and moment thing is really interesting though how many times have we seen strikers big strikers who go on to be a success yeah. have that bit of a you know Milson around their neck for a little while I know he'd scored the penalty but at the same time like this is a big one on one chance I feel like even the best strikers early days of their after a big move miss them more often sure. than not don't Definitely. they whereas yeah. this wasn't like scuffed in you know I love Nunez's goal in a way but like he needed to get a goal like that and I feel like he might score 25 crap goals this year and it's going to be the best Liverpool signing ever. But Holland is just like, everything about it was just perfect, yeah. you know? Dion Dublin on Match of the Day 2 last night was uh, talking over it and, and as Holland was running around to get himself onto his left side, he said, this is a striker slowing down. He's slowing down here. Yeah. 
He's not speeding up. He's not snatching this. This is him slowing everything down and completely aware of all his uh, faculties and what's around him. Ironically, and it you know, won't garner the same kind of headlines, but more encouraging almost was that short burst of a run he made for the penalty. Mm. Because that's the type of run he may have to make quite often for Man City when yeah. they're against a low block and lots of players back and organised. And the fact that he could make that, what was it, six, seven yard dash and was quickly found, that suggests, you know, he's totally in sync with this yeah, team already. He's not going to get that room when City aren't leading as he did, you know, yeah. for the 2-0 goal. So the first one is the one that's going to be the key to three points every game, regardless mm. of what his goal-scoring stats end up being. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. I, You know, I think an awful lot of us have a... You know, I don't think anybody wants to see, especially when you're a neutral, if you're not a fan, you don't want to see any team dominate. This is taking out any moral questions you might have about the Manchester City project. You know, they've already won four out of five titles. They're going for three in a row. I don't think any team other than Manchester United twice have won three in a row in the Premier League era. There's definitely a party that wants to see new teams come true or maybe Liverpool even up the rivalry a little bit. (laughs) But there's also a part of me that is excited by this Man City team. And that's the first time... Mm. I think in the Pep era I've been excited by this team Grealish coming into his own a little bit showing a little bit what he can do maybe without Sterling there there's probably just more room for him to establish himself in the team Mm. Haaland bringing what he does I don't know Kevin De De Bruyne just like having that person to uh, almost a plaything for Kevin De Bruyne (laughs) now that you you say I'll be far more inclined to watch Man City this year with Haaland yeah. I think, Richie, because, I mean, maybe I, that would apply to most people because we know we're watching something fairly freakish unfold here. Yeah, we mentioned that last year that we kind of shied away from Man City a little bit in terms of their watchability because, I don't know, it was a little bit dull, but there's, there's a spark there about Haaland that definitely makes them a more attractive prospect. What's interesting about this weekend, and I've seen a fair few opening weekends now in my uh, my uh, many years. Your 40 um, years, Richie. My 40 years, Nick. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for reminding me. It's like I've never really seen a weekend where the die has been cast or like people have tried to cast a die for a season so quickly as this year. Like it's it's all down to like, as you mentioned, at the top of the show, like it looks like Haaland is going to score a bunch of goals. Man City, Manchester United are going to be perennially crap. Uh, Liverpool drop points in the title race already. That's how that, that draw at Fulham is already being viewed. And, you know, everyone else is kind of is also rants. And it's, I don't know if it's a sign of a healthy league that that's where we are after week one is that we kind of know where everything's going and we kind of know the positions that everybody's taken up for the next 30 odd weeks and with a World Cup in between mm. it I don't know if, I don't know if it's all that healthy um, particularly like the surprise of, of Brighton beating Manchester you know, like that, teams beating other teams is what's supposed to happen in a natural mm. you know healthy environment um, that things are viewed with such um, as, as so, so unusual I don't think is, is a good thing and is, and is all that healthy Few texts into 53106 to Brunner to Lukaku. So he does do uh, some long balls for Belgium occasionally, says Dave and Bray. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, lads, do uh, does the All Blacks' continued bad form put the Irish Tour wins into some kind of perspective as a texture? I think so, a little bit. Like, I think so. There was a part of me that said six. they've lost five or six and the one they won was against us. That, we're starting to look bad. <laughs> <laughs> so France, Ireland, to Ireland and now. South Africa and they have to play South Africa again at the weekend yeah away again yeah so look I mean we were in New Zealand I think that's important to remember yeah you know uh, there is obviously a higher degree of difficulty about going to New Zealand and beating them uh, you know November is November in a way 
you know, I don't think the All Blacks love losing at all. But look, as as many people will have pointed out, when Ireland beat them mm. a couple of Novembers, uh, there is always a, a, a question mark around that. But I think you know now it's starting to look very very bad. Well, like I said, New Zealand Herald front page editorial. I don't think it was Gregor Paul that wrote this. No, He's in South Africa with it was the team. More of, I think it was like their their editor. Anonymous. <laughs> yeah, like, like, that's Park. Everything going on in the world. We need to address the key situation right now. And it's what, a Sunday newspaper that came out yesterday. You know, like <laughs> so what the New Zealand uh, editorial Maybe says was that uh, it was this morning. Yeah, Foster, a decent man out of his depth. Oh, it's worse, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's uh, actually reading it, and that that was the headline. But even a few more bits that they said in it, um, they're going out of their way to try not to be over the top, okay. and you know, like too kind of like tabloidly in this sort of like they don't want they want this to, to be considered. We don't want to do this, but it's worse. Yeah, it'd be better if it was just like get out now you turn up or whatever like you know that because <laughs> it wouldn't be as as hitting and cutting yeah. as saying look we don't want to do this you're a nice guy I'm sorry that you're in this God. position but you are out of your debt pal don't be considered nice about it for yeah. God's sake <laughs> uh, the reaction after Haaland's performance in the Community Shield is as silly as the reaction to his performance yesterday says Podrick uh, if you go back Porg last week I absolutely was of the opinion that the reaction to the Community Shield was silly the reaction to yesterday <laughs> is not silly this is the new reality. Trust me. This, I mean, the reaction last week was bizarre. All, I think it was just, I think it was, there was a degree of silly season last week and let's try and find the talking point and so let's magnify the worries over Haaland. But it was never going to be anything but a success. Way fewer people bit on that though than you think as well. Like it's, uh, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody, especially Pep Guardiola, worried about Haaland no. missing a chance or two. It was, what, it was what he was doing around the game that, kind of brought in a few kind of dodge Wayne Rooney has a <laughs> always surprisingly brilliant column I think in the Sunday Times mm. but talked about like if people who were criticising Hallam weren't watching the same game I was yeah, you know and it's like I, I think that I, I was reading that yesterday morning thinking this is exactly right I was like thinking this guy's getting in all the positions mm. that he's supposed to be here it just didn't fall his way that's going to happen I'm sorry he's actually not going to score the 45 goals you say he'll probably stick it at about 36 or 37 because there's days when he won't score it was a disappointment in his return column the Sunday Times he didn't address the wag at the Christie trial <laughs> at all like he had a two page spread in the Times what are you going for your, your summer <laughs> give, us, give us a line well, he did. He also said that the MLS was a step up from the championship. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to actually reconsider whether this is an always brilliant column. He did have good sure. points about how Haaland's going to have to um, increasingly learn the short runs here and there, and, yeah. and, and develop a certain patience playing for uh, City. And I guess we saw the short run in the penalty. By the way, what a penalty! Yeah, Whew. exactly. And then he sat down and did a little meditation celebration. What's that about? <laughs> That's a show like how calm I am. I I'd, I'd say I, so. Maybe he wanted to do a quick bit of meditation. Maybe, just indeed. To calm everything down. Brian and Kildare, lads, I support Bolton. Sorry, yes. Brian. Brian. From the JJ Akacha days. I had a bad. Uh, so keep an eye on League One. We'll do that, Brian. Uh, there are 24 teams, and after two games, this is interesting. 24 teams, and after, this is probably to your point, Richie, about predictability. Mm. 24 teams, and after two games, there is only one team on six points. Am I the only one who thinks that's mad? Or is my life that sad that I find that fascinating? No, I think it's... Um, that's brilliant. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Fascinating maybe pushing it, but it's yeah. interesting. It's noteworthy. Read it out. Yeah, 24 teams, one with uh, six points. is healthy state of affairs, I would suppose. And uh, one last point before we start Richie's news round. There is a text in saying, lads, I thought it was great to hear that referee mic'd up in Kerry. Unbelievable addition. Referee came out of it very well, only served to humanise him. 
definitely the future reckons Tony. This was TG Carr with a live microphone on the referee John O'Halloran for Sunday's uh, Kerry hurling final between Ballyduff and Causeway. I didn't see the full game. I did see the clip where he's insisting to a player protesting that you did mean it. It's three yeah. yards away from you. You did mean it. It's not, it's not a car defence. <laughs> it's like he goes, it is. It's not. And that was a great little exchange. But I did like the kind of, come on, Porrick. I, I think your man's name is Porrick. He goes, I'm three yards away from you. Yeah. I can see what you did. Go, go away. Yellow card. Walk off. It's funny. The texter said there that it humanises the ref. I've seen a lot of uh, the talk about it, talking about how it like helps obviously the coverage which it does it's brilliant for the coverage mm. but that it also like maybe puts a little bit of manners on the players and on the refs because they know the mic there I think I think that's true but I think the texture nailed it it actually humanises the ref I, I would have like this bloody natural tendency that I hate in myself to feel like the ref is against you or whatever but also they're doing it in a cold way but actually you can't hear what they're saying and I, I remember do you remember they did it a few years ago they obviously did it in the in the football final was David Goldrick, I think. Yeah. But also, there was another... Uh, Barry Kelly did it in a hurling match as well. I remember him, like, you know, he was specifically kind of giving a penalty against Michael Fenley for a slap. I just remember that. And just thinking, these lads come across great. They know all the players. They know all the rules. They're using common sense all the time. Yeah. And thinking, well, we haven't seen that now in seven years. Uh, so I thought, yeah, the clips that I saw would suggest to me this would just be such a brilliant addition and would help referees so much yeah it'd be great we should start the news round 53106 any thoughts or texts get them into us Andy Mitten is with us this hour and then we're talking about the Camogie and New Zealand after 8 and Pat Nevins on the football show after 9 news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day mm-hmm. more European football coming up for Shamrock Rovers Certainly is, yeah. Jack Byrne back in contention for the second leg of Rovers Europa League qualifier away to Shkupi tomorrow. The Republic of Ireland midfielder returns following a hip flexor problem. However, Chris McCann, a never present so far in Europe, will miss the second leg in Skopje with a calf injury. Rovers take a 2-1 first leg lead to the North Macedonian capital. And speaking to our own Stephen Doyle earlier today, striker Rory Gaffney says they need to be clinical. I just suppose of European football, you come up against good teams and you get punished if you don't take your chances. So... No, we'll obviously be looking to take whatever chances we get. It was interesting listening to Stephen in the build-up to the first leg that he, he was um, he didn't really want to be talking too much about the Conference League as being a, a safety net. It was all about we can get to the group stage of the, the Europa League. Is that kind of been the the talk over the two weeks, and is that the big motivating factor? Yeah, I suppose we we win tomorrow. You know, you just have that. You have that. You know, you have the safety net or whatever we're calling it. But you know, it just takes the pressure off us off us next week. Obviously. You want, you know, you want to go as far as you, you could in the Champions League, and the same with the Europa League. But you know, this new competition does give you know clubs, especially like Shamrock Rovers, you know, just an opportunity, an extra opportunity to have a European adventure. Yeah, there we go. So that's Rory Gaffney talking to Stephen Doyle. I presume that full interview is up on uh, YouTube and our various social channels. Uh, Manchester United. They are obviously uh, pursuing Marco Arnautovic, it would seem, from mm. Bologna, and they have agreed terms with Juventus. Seems so, yeah. Adrian Rabiot appears to be edging closer to a move to Manchester United. Talks are ongoing between United and Juventus, where the French midfielder has entered the final year of his contract. The 27-year-old will cost a reported €18 million. Euro. United must still discuss personal terms with Rabiot's agent mother, Veronique, and they're also hopeful, as you mentioned, Joe, of a deal to sign Marco Arnautovic from Bologna with a €9 million Euro bid already rejected by the Serie A club. Dear, oh dear. I mean, honestly. I, just... I did see a tweet from... Rob Draper, the journalist, and uh, he said 
Imagine Man United's manager in 18 months' time explaining how his hands are tied in the market as the clubs need to move on Arnautovic and Rabiot first, but no one will take them because they're on a five-year deal worth 175 grand a week. I mean, this is just all kinds of s- mediocrity here. Yeah, I saw Manchester United, like, their lineup. I saw. I had a conversation on Saturday with a Man United fan where I was like, who is up front if it's not Ronaldo? And it was a lot. It's like, oh, well, Anthony Marshall's injured. I was like, sorry, what? Anthony Marshall was shipped out a year ago. How could this be? How could, the key man in pre-season. I know, Nick. but how could we be back to that if you're a Man United <laughs> fan? But then I, I still, even with that, even with Christian Eriksen playing in the, which is, by the way, we maybe we talk with Andy about it, but it's like, why is Christian Eriksen the person playing as the false nine? It's like, even if you have to play one, surely it would suit Bruno more than it would suit Eriksen as a footballer. That surprising to me but even seeing that mess and seeing that Ronaldo's obviously not the answer is like if Marco Nodovic is the answer I don't know what the question is <laughs> do you know like it, it isn't like I mean this guy when how he was badly the, has your scouting system failed is the this question this guy there. when he was in his 20s at West Ham wasn't good enough you know what I mean and and for Man, for certainly for Manchester United I don't know if he was ever even good enough for the Premier League had his moments for sure but now he's in his mid 30s and it's like you can't even if he's filling the gap even if you're looking for like physicality off the bench yeah you had Cavani last year. How are they? How are Manchester United sip so low that they're getting Marco Arnautovic? Andy will expand on this. Andy Mitten with this, this hour, but it does seem as if Ten Hag has arrived into a very dysfunctional situation. Whereby, if he's saying things like, "I need a striker with these attributes," or "I need a defender with these attributes," or "a midfielder with these attributes," scouting system prevent present me with the talent that you've identified. None of that's in place at Manchester United. It's a mess. So it seems Arnautovic and Martinez, certainly, these are players Ten Hag has had experience with. And so he's yeah. telling the board, OK, look, your scouting system isn't coming out much. We'll take Arnautovic. I, I can stake my name on, at least I, I know him in a sense. Yeah. And that's why they're arriving at these really left field names. I did see an Italian journalist make the point about Rabio, who's not a dreadful player by any means, but... This just illustrates the extent to which Manchester United are lacking all kinds of nous in the transfer market. So Rabio is 27 years of age. He's at Juventus. He has fallen out of favour there. In some respects, Pogba has been ironically brought in maybe to take his place. <laughs> <laughs> and he's now injured. And they still don't want Rabio. Yeah. So personal terms have to be agreed. So he's off the back of a poor season. His contract at Juventus expires at the end of this season. He's paid €9 million Euros a year, which is the second highest wage bill in Serie A. This journalist I was uh, reading up said Juventus would have paid to get rid of him. Instead, United are offering 18 million to take him. And this just sums up at every turn how Manchester United make a mess of everything and spend lots of money doing it. I think they're now so bad. I was one of the Ronaldo is a terrible idea uh, types. I just thought Solskjaer, it's an odd thing to say from this vantage point, but I thought things were progressing and Greenwood was still available for selection and uh, Cavani was still at the club and there was a sense, you know, Rashford was, was you know, maybe um, on the up as opposed to where he is now. But I thought, well, Ronaldo doesn't help things. 12 months on, I now think they're so bad that actually might as well just stick Ronaldo on and see can he <laughs> score, score a, a few goals. It's a bit like at half time on Sky where Jamie Carragher said, I just get Ronaldo on at this stage because they've nothing. Like, they've nothing. So I, I now think keeping Ronaldo might just be their only solution because I was, an, I, I thought we're going to see Ten Hag high pressing. Yeah. Like United for the last couple of years have been easy to play against. They can't press. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing without the ball. So I thought, well, we'll see Ten Hag unleash the pressing masterclass. It wasn't there. If Ronaldo had been playing, we would have blamed Ronaldo for that on Sunday. 
so it wasn't there. It's just not happening so anyway. Now, yeah. now, well, you know Christian what? Eriksen just, isn't going to be the presser no. for you either. Like, you know what I mean? But it, it's, I can't... Just like, stick him on so now, I think. You sell, so I'm watching the match. I turn it on, yes. And again, you're not. I'm not paying like a huge amount of attention to pre-season. You kind of don't know what you see. And I know Martinez is there, but you're almost thinking, did I miss something? And then you see the line, line up and it's still McFred in midfield. And you're like, right, okay. Well, they've sold Pogba now. And they've spent the entire summer trying to get Frankie de Jong, and maybe they'll get him in the end. But like they've known what all like we all know what the bloody problems were with that transfer. Could they not have gone and got somebody else? Of it? like Manchester United are so haphazard and shoddy that they're going after Rabiot and Arnautovic in August when the season's already started. Arnautovic, sorry to keep banging on about that, but I can't understand how the so-called biggest club in the world, certainly one of the biggest potential clubs in the world are running like a bunch... This is amateur hour. Yeah, it's bad. What is going on? I don't know. How could they be that badly run? Like, anybody could do this better. I, I, it's, it's, I, I don't know why I'm getting angry. I, I find it hilarious. But when you start thinking about it that way, it's like, it, it beggars belief. No, it's shocking. It's a hell of a way to go through a billion quid. <laughs> we got no one to play up front. <laughs> yeah, it's quite Christian Eriksen up front yeah. so uh, they have Brentford at the weekend and then they have Liverpool would you say Eriksen is regretting not choosing Brentford in his choice that took him two months to make between Brentford and Manchester United I'd say it's crossed his mind yeah do you know the worst part of all this is those stupid articles two weeks ago about like Eric Ten Hag's new rules you have to be on time for training and all this <laughs> stuff like things are going to change around here yeah is uh, there any sauce uh, directives now I don't know no I, I think uh, oh, he banned them from having their own personal chefs all of this stuff you know that gets talked about yeah. as like signs of a new regime sauce is back and you have to eat it yeah meanwhile you're Fred he's still giving the ball away he hadn't had ketchup in eight weeks. <laughs> oh, it's wild stuff. So Andy Mitten with us this hour. We won't, by the way, I can't bear it. Anymore. We're not going to do nine months of Man United assessment. They're terrible. We know they're terrible. We'll do it for the opening week, but like we're not having Andy Mitten on at half seven every no. Monday. We'll bump them to nine. Yeah. Richie, Manchester United, I mean, you know yourself. This is, they could we are end up we being are. different kinds of terrible through the season. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, there's always scope for them to get weirder and even more rubbish. Like there is. there's, there's going to be a managerial change there at some stage. You'd imagine. I don't think. Do you think? Do you think they will this season? Yeah. No, 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 no. They have to. Like we're, I was talking about this with John Giles there last week. Like he has to have the year. He has to have a full season. Yeah, I think. So. Unless things, unless he's like, d- d- you know, they're in the relegation zone by the time the World Cup comes around. Like then you have a conversation. But like anything else, anything, ab- <laughs> any, any, anything above fifteenth, and he shows he has to be given the year. You know, uh, it's they put it like. But that's that's where, like we don't know. Like, they literally could be in a relegation scrap, and it wouldn't surprise I don't think any of the three of us. They're not because they're that rubbish. Yeah, they are. Uh, we've rabbit on a touch here. We've about three minutes, so I'm going to let you blitz through the the top stories you've left, Rich. Yeah, an open-top bus containing the All-Ireland winning Kilkenny Camogie panel should have reached the city's courthouse by now. They're celebrating the Cats' 15th senior All-Ireland following yesterday's one-point win over Cork at Croke Park. Kilkenny won an All-Ireland despite Davina Tobin and Colette Dormer retiring and the absences of Megan Farrell and the Doyle sisters. Laura Murphy, speaking to her own Ashling O'Reilly afterwards yesterday, said the win was made all the sweeter by those absences. 
Uh, definitely, and look, I suppose that makes it a little bit sweeter. And uh, you know, when a door closes for one, it opens for another. And you know, you've seen Tiffany today. You know, 19 years of age, up the pitch. You know, corner back over the bar. You know, I think it's, it might, that's definitely her, her first point in championship this year. And you know, what a way to get it. And as I said, you know, Tiffany is one of those players. She took an opportunity this year and had an unbelievable season. And the management, what have you made it in this year? Uh, I just will never come across a, a management team like the lads. They're unbelievable. The work they put in behind the scenes is, you know, they're credited themselves and, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, training is different every day you go. The work that's put in, um, they're, they're unbelievable. Uh, Rich, opening statements in the Ryan Giggs, Kate Gravel case. Yeah, court's been told that there's a sinister side to Ryan Giggs' character as he goes on trial accused of attacking his ex-girlfriend. The prosecution opened its case against the former Manchester United footballer this afternoon who denies controlling and coercive behaviour. Lawyers for Giggs claim allegations he attacked his ex-girlfriend Kate Gravel are based on distortion, exaggeration and lies. Jurors were told that Alex Ferguson and Gary Neville will both feature in the evidence at the trial and the judge has warned jurors not to chat about the case on Facebook or WhatsApp. Uh, plenty of uh, transfer news around today as well. Joe Timo Werner undergoing a medical ahead of a return to RB Leipzig. The German forward is signing a permanent deal at the club he left for Chelsea two years ago for €58 million. Euro. Meanwhile, Leipzig have beaten Manchester United to the signing of Salzburg's Benjamin Szeszko. The Slovenian forward will join the German Bundesliga club next summer. Malang Sar, meanwhile, is also leaving Chelsea this week. He is undergoing a medical at Monaco. It's going to be a loan deal with an obligation to buy for the League One side. Hmm. And uh, quite interesting, when Nathan Collins in town. Yeah, Connor Cody has completed a medical at Everton ahead of a move from Wolves. The 29-year-old is going to sign a loan deal there with an option for the Goodison Park Club to make it permanent. Cody was dropped for Saturday's opening day defeat to Leeds with Nathan Collins and Max Kilman preferred in a back four. Everton do have defensive worries of their own. Ben Godfrey, they've confirmed today, out for three months and Yerry Mina must undergo scans to determine the length of his forthcoming absence. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting one. Like Cody seemed obviously like one of these good pros a good lad mm. and uh, I guess Nathan Collins is settling yeah. right in we should uh, just before we go Rich mention uh, Leona Maguire uh, say again there Joe Joe you just broke up oh apologies we should just before we go mention Leona Maguire Leona yeah yeah, sure. She cracked the uh, top 20 in the Women's Golf World rankings today. The Cavan golfer finished with a tie for fourth at the Women's Open in Muirfield. That result has seen Maguire leap five places from 22nd to 17th in the world. The Open itself won by South Africa's Ashley Buhai, who beat Ingi Chun in a playoff. Very good. Richie, thanks for the time being. Cheers. Nice and gents. Uh, just to remind you, by the way, we're going to have a brilliant road show, and it's next uh, Wednesday at Vicker Street. So, Ian Wright... Michael Owen, Emma Byrne, Karen Carney amongst the guests. Ficker Street's always a brilliant venue, so that's uh, August 17th, that's next Wednesday. Uh, tickets have just gone on uh, sale, otbsports.com forward slash events is where you can get those tickets. I'll be there, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, very interesting people to chat to, so uh, do come along next Wednesday at Vicker Street. Tickets are going fast, so uh, hop on now, otbsports.com forward slash events, and hopefully we'll see you there on the night. T's and C's uh, apply so we uh, we'll see you on the night we hope